chapter thirty of order number eleven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. order number eleven by caroline abbott stanley chapter thirty a fearful school and an apt scholar virginia here's a letter for you she took it from her father's hands and went to the summer-house it was from gordon and she liked to read his letters there as she bent over it now an expectant smile on her lips she did not look much like the virginia of a few months ago the roses had come back to her cheek and the gladness to her eyes mrs trevilian thought it was because her mind was relieved about their opposition but miss nanny felt sure it was the leaven of her own little story neither guessing the truth her face was certainly full of sunshine now for the letter said he was coming home it might be a month or two yet but he was coming he was coming the pansies were sending up their sweet breath outside the pansies he had gathered for her the day before he started off to kentucky how long ago it seemed and she had told him her deepest wish was to live where something would happen well she had had her wish she certainly lived where things happened now how silly girls were she thought feeling suddenly very old he was coming yes but there were so many uncertainties in life she had found that out she stepped to the border to gather some pansies she was peculiarly susceptible to odours and pansies always took her back to that day as she stooped over the fragrant bed a noise at the horse-block startled her she stepped back into the summer-house and peered through the vines two men on horseback were at the blocks one of them looked as if he might have been wounded she had never seen either of them to her knowledge but when she looked at the older man and he was young one of those vague intangible sensations of recognition came over her which make us feel sometimes that we have lived in a previous state of existence as cats or rats or something it was very absurd but he made her think of the barbecue the two men dismounted one with difficulty and leaning on the arm of the other as he came up the walk he sank to the steps as his companion raised the great knocker and gave a rat-a-tat-tat that resounded through the house while he was waiting for his knock to be answered the man turned and looked around him virginia could see his face plainly without being herself seen and again that strange sense of recognition swept over her though she was sure she had never seen the man before then mrs trevilian herself came to the door and virginia heard him say without preliminaries i want you to take this boy in and care for him he needs nursing the mistress of keswick looked down at the lad on the step who was resting his head against the white column he raised a smooth boyish face to hers with innocent-looking blue eyes cheeks flushed with fever and lips that tried to smile and were too weak he needs his mother virginia heard her say bring him in she asked no questions and made no remonstrance a request from an armed man in eighteen sixty three was a command and this one spoke as if he were accustomed to being obeyed perhaps her heart warmed a little to the boy anyway thinking of her own the man raised the sick boy gently set him on his feet and together they guided him in virginia took this moment to follow but almost before they were in the man was out again coming upon her face to face he raised his hat swept a swift glance around the prairie and was gone virginia stood looking after him i know now i've seen him she thought but where 
mrs trevilian was accustomed to being nurse and doctor both for her family her experienced eyes saw that this boy needed close care he is a very sick boy she told her husband i think i will sit with him myself to-night i wish he was with his mother before night he was muttering in delirium and they sent for dr lay who is he the doctor asked i haven't the least idea she said one of quantrell's men do you think i don't know hardly i should think such a child as he is but i know this doctor unless you give him the right medicine and i give him the right nursing he's going to die so whoever he is we've got to pull him through i reckon you're right he said she had lost herself for a moment toward midnight when the sick boy spoke she woke with a start he was leaning on his elbow looking at her ma he whispered hoarsely look at my back to humor him she bent over him and made a feint at examination they raised great welts he muttered then he looked up at her with a flash of steel in his blue eyes don't you cry ma they'll never have a chance to the flash faded he had dropped off to sleep mrs trevilian watched him curiously who was this boy and what had happened to him she wondered such a child to be armed they had hidden his pistols as soon as he came the jayhawkers were liable to come upon them at any moment and arms would betray him otherwise the boyish face would certainly disarm suspicion but the jayhawkers did not come and mrs trevilian's nursing won the day the boy was sitting up one morning about two weeks later clothed for the first time and virginia was sewing near him he asked about his pistols they are put safely away ready for you when you go where did you get them you certainly are not a soldier the boyish face flushed with pride i am though i am one of quantrell's men you why you are just a boy a boy's bullet can do as much work as a man's if it is aimed straight besides i'll be sixteen next september sixteen even is entirely too young to be in the army and you won't be sixteen for months yet she spoke severely from the superior age of twenty-one what was your mother thinking of to let you go my mother couldn't help it she was in prison she and my little sister younger than i am and my stepfather when she got out i was gone where is your home in clay county over across the river well as soon as you are able to travel you go right back to your mother advised virginia the brush is no place for a boy like you you ought to be in school for two years yet i'm not going back home i'm going to stick to quantrell to the end they'll never get a chance to beat me through the cornrows again they had asked him no questions about himself and he had volunteered no information but to-day he was in a communicative mood and virginia had a girl's curiosity who beat you through the cornrows the militia they came to our house one day last spring looking for quantrell he had been over on the north side of the river and they thought ma and pa would know where he was and they could make them tell they came out to the cornfield where my stepfather and i were ploughing they took pa and strung him up three times by the neck to make him tell when they got through he was nearly dead did he tell no he didn't know he wouldn't have told if he had known did they do anything to you the hot blood rose to the boy's face they lashed me up and down the corn rows with a rope till my back was in great welts do you call that anything then they made me climb a mulberry tree at the point of their bayonets to see them string my stepfather up mrs trevilian would have stopped this recital for her patient's blood was coursing madly through his veins at the recollection of those indignities did they do anything to your mother they pointed their guns at her and threatened to shoot her if she didn't tell where quantrell was and did she ma you don't know her she said 
i'm like marion's wife what i know i'll die knowing she's grit clear through ma is well they took pa off and when they got a little way off they fired their guns and we thought they'd killed him they said they were going to but they hadn't they just did it to scare us but they took him to prison and arrested ma and my little sister and threw them into prison and then i went to quantrell he was silent a moment when he burst forth like the boy he was i'll soon be able to shoot with the best of them i'm not going to stop till i can shoot as well as quantrell and how well can he shoot quantrell oh he pops em every time a clean bullet hole in the middle of the forehead and that's the last of them what virginia was looking at him with staring eyes do you mean to tell me that that man is quantrell quantrell's the man didn't you ever hear the story of how he began it no tell it to me she was as full of excitement now as he had been a moment before the boy leaned forward in his eagerness quantrell was his leader and hero and the story was one to captivate the fancy and fire the imagination of a daredevil boy well this is the way they told it to me he said arch clements and the rest of them i never heard quantrell say anything about it virginia laid down her work to listen away back yonder in eighteen fifty six when quantrell was a right young man he and his brother started overland to california they got as far as kansas near lawrence when a band of jayhawkers fell on them and killed his brother and robbed them and left quantrell for dead but he wasn't i reckon they've wished a good many times since then that he had been well he came to after a while but he couldn't move and he lay there two days and nights by the dead body of his brother keeping away the coyotes and the buzzards at the end of that time an old indian found him and buried his brother and took quantrell home to his wigwam and nursed him back to life the boys say those two days and nights made a demon of that man you wouldn't know it though to look at him he's as mild-looking as a preacher virginia thought of the young man she had seen at the barbecue and what gordon had told her afterward about the way he looked at jim baird who was it brought you here she demanded with a sudden fearful enlightenment quantrell there was pride in his tone i tell you quantrell don't go back on his men go on with your story she said there came to her with a rush that was almost overpowering the feeling she had had about this man's some day coming into their lives he was in their lives now with a vengeance if it should get out that they were nursing quantrell's men she turned sick at the thought yes sir that night just made a demon of him he didn't seem to care to live for anything but revenge while he was getting well in the old indian's wigwam he laid his plans he made a vow that every man in that gang should die as his brother had died and how do you suppose he made sure of them i don't know how asked virginia breathlessly he joined the band of jayhawkers himself they didn't know him they had left him for dead you know and he had changed his name and everything like that then he got them to talk about those two men they had killed and how they had done it and he listened and bided his time well one day a jayhawker in that band was found dead with a hole in the middle of his forehead nobody knew who did it and quantrell or hart as he was called then didn't know any more than the rest it was not long before there was another and after a while another and a few weeks afterward another always with the one bullet that had gone home after a while they got frightened and disbanded it didn't make any difference quantrell had them spotted then and the same shot followed them the boys say that whenever he kills a man he ties a knot in a silk cord he carries there were thirty-two of those men they say there are twenty-three knots now one of them was for a man killed over here in this county at a barbecue quantrell had tracked him here 
i know cried virginia shuddering it was jim baird i was there and heard the shot jim baird that's the very man they say there were two of these bairds they got scared and left kansas came over to missouri and bought negroes and tried to pass themselves off for southern men but quantrell found him he'll find the other one some day well some time before they disbanded he planned with seven of these jayhawkers to go over to missouri to old man walker's and run off his negroes he sent word to walker to be ready for them and walker gathered in his neighbors and when they got there the jayhawkers i mean quantrell suddenly went over to the other side and they killed the whole gang that night seven knots were tied in the cord mercy isn't that awful breathed virginia the boy's eyes had kindled with the recital his cheeks were glowing and his breath came fast awful he exclaimed i think it's glorious he paid them back eye for eye and tooth for tooth he lay back in his chair then exhausted you've talked enough now said virginia hastily she had forgotten about his being sick but there was one thing more she wanted to know you have told me all about quantrell she said smiling and about yourself except your name my name is jesse james he said jesse james it has been heard many times since then to the detriment of the state's good name but it was no more that day than john smith the bandit of later years was a beardless boy fresh from the cornfield and the plough he was taking his first lessons in crime when colonel trevilian heard the story virginia had to tell he looked grave i'm afraid this will bring trouble on us he said if it becomes known that we have harbored a man whom quantrell himself brought here there is no telling what it will lead to no i know we didn't know it and couldn't have helped it if we had known it but my dear do you think the negroes generally know about this boy's being here no none of them i think but mammy and uncle reuben and i'll answer for mammy put in virginia and we know that reuben is perfectly trustworthy colonel trevilian asserted but we interrupted you my dear i was going to say mrs trevilian continued that perhaps emmeline being in the dining-room may have suspected something still we have been very careful i hardly think so colonel trevilian shook his head these are the times when a man's foes shall be they of his own household he said yes said miss nanny prophetically and when a bird of the air shall carry the voice and that which hath wings shall tell of the matter well might the trevilians fear End of chapter 30